You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So I've been in this really like reflective mood in this series. Um, for one, I would rather just move on. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a helpful conversation. I do think it's very important that the church makes space to talk about something like finances in our individual lives because many of the time the church doesn't talk about that unless it has to do with giving more to the church. And, you know, the talks about conversations of finances are always going to result in how do we be more faithfully generous. But too many times we don't learn anything about it. So I see the function of it, et cetera, et cetera. But I also realized, I realized the other day, um, over the years, over the years, I have been, um, I've heard people say, that I basically say the same thing every week. And um, I've thought about that a lot. I'm like, mm, what does that mean? And I thought, you know what? In some ways, you ain't wrong. Uh, I have preached six, over 650 sermons in this church. Um, that's not all the messages I've preached in my life, obviously, but that's just here. And then I thought about, you know, that's a lot of messages. It's a lot of stuff. Um, I don't, contrary to what I joke about, buy my sermons offline online. Um, I joke about that probably too much because I think some people are starting to wonder. Sermons.com forward slash Eastertide. Where was that one? Um, but I, I have thought, you know, there is some things that I do say a lot. I don't say the same thing every week. I, I don't believe that. But I do say some of the same things every week. So much so that it's turned into mantras for some of us. Like God knows us best. Um, we'll see if you know this one. That, that Christ is as close to us as Casey, you were just always there. You were there for me. You always there for me. Me and you, sister, right there. First service was like, Jesus? Like, like, like Christ is close to me is Jesus? Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but, I, but I think about how the greatest command, what did Jesus say? Every, every law and every prophet, every word in the Bible ultimately has to come down to what? Love God with what? Soul and strength and love your? He said all the things to talk about. So the way I figure it is, all the things we ever talk about when we gather, by the way, this one time a week as a whole body, right? And not even that, as you can see. When we do, everything at some point has to come back to that most basic reminder. Like I hear Aaron's big idea and I think to myself, that's really enough for the day. Like if we all decided that we were thoroughly committed for the rest of this day and the rest of this week to love people as Jesus loves in order to give Jesus a fair shot with people, that would be what we call Christianity. And when we did that, our lives would be changed. Our lives would be changed by that. Does that make sense? Like we would be formed by that. So all the wants and desires we have would be fulfilled because God keeps God's promises and we do what God says, then things change inside of us. Does that make sense? And I got to think about this series and I got to thinking about how, um, you know, we're doing these interviews. And I've done interviews here in this church. We've, we've done conversations is what we call them for a reason. We even call this one because I hope to have dialogue. Um, we have these conversations and I've done them for 13 years. Uh, I'll never forget when I first introduced them and it was new to like the concept was somewhat new because it was around the table and we were talking and I was having people in their church tell their stories. I remember Stephanie did and Randy did and other people did. 
And it was helpful because people got to know each other. And we also got to see how God was working in each other's lives. And it was more than one of those old testimonies where I've got a testimony. It was actually a dialogue, and it opened us up to things. And this series is very conversation-driven. It's very conversation-heavy. Um, there'll be times where I offer something, and then there are times where we have somebody come up. Because here's why. One of the purposes of the gathering of the church well, let me say this. In the scriptures, you can count on one hand how many times the Christian scriptures speak to the gathering of God's people. Have you ever thought about that? You're not going to find a whole lot in the Bible that talks about what happens when the people of God gather. Because they didn't believe that they came to church because they believed they were the what? Church. They didn't believe they stepped into the house of God because they understood theologically they were the what? House of God. This is going to get real predictable. They didn't believe that they could come into a sanctuary... Because this is just a room. They knew they were in their bodies. They were the sanctuary. And so they didn't have to question whether, they didn't have to be told to gather. In ancient Near Eastern cultures and in Greco-Roman cultures, gathering with the people that you were in life with, that you were tethered to in relationship, was not something they had to be told. So the Bible doesn't speak to us having to do it because they assume we're going to do it. That's why Acts says they gather together daily. Remember that in Acts chapter 2, they came together daily. So this is just an assumption that the people of God are going to be together. So they don't talk about it a lot in the Bible. But there's this one verse where it does. And it's in Hebrews chapter 10, and he's talking to Jewish Christians. And so he says, the writer, or she, I think it's a she that wrote this, says this. Um, says Hebrews chapter 10, verse uh, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. And they're not talking about a worship center. They're talking about the space that God has opened up in Christ. He says, by a new and living way, he opened us through the curtain, and then parentheses, that is his flesh. So you know he's not talking about some literal room, or she's not talking about a literal room here. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of the faith, with our hearts sprinkled and our conscience cleansed and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering for God who promised us faithful. Verse 24, and let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encourage each other while it's called today. In other words, one of the primary reasons we gather is not to worship God. We bring our worship to God and worship God. Are you with me? Did y'all hear what I just said? I want everybody going, Where we don't worship in church. Like, you, worship is a what? Is worship an event or a lifestyle? Loaded question. Yeah, just say lifestyle. Guess the one. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. That's what the Bible says. Like, worship is a lifestyle. So we bring our lives of worship together, and, and music and prayer become means by which we worship, but a life that has been given to the glory of God isn't just happening at 11 o'clock in the 11 o'clock hour. It is for a lot of North American Christianity, and that's a problem in and of itself, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. Right? We gather so that we can figure out together in the world in which we live, how do we stir up one another for love and good works? Like, how are we going to, when we come together, come together, remember who we are because of whose we are, and go out and live like we are? Does that make sense? To come, I'll say it again, to come and remember who we are because of whose we are, and then live like we are. Eucharist is a massive part of that for us. Right, that is a formative part of us because it's a communal event. Hearing a word may be it. It may be music. It may be a lot of different things. It also may be listening to some people in our church about things. So that's why we do what we do because ultimately here's my issue. 
It is about learning how to live in a constant consciousness of the presence of God. You with me? Everybody say consciousness. That means awakeness. That means being aware and being awake. I've been thinking about this because I'm not a very... If you define prayer as bow your head and close your eyes and on your knees, then you would not call me a prayerful person. If my understanding of prayer is defined by a practice, then I would not be accused of being a prayerful person. But if you define prayer as talking with God throughout the day and living with a sense of awareness that there's no place I can go where God is not, that Christ is as close to me as... as the breath of the air in my lungs, then that is prayer. Because that is what prayer is. I'm not saying prayer is not a practice. Next week we'll talk about the Lord's Prayer. But prayer is about a state of consciousness, of living in the awareness of God's presence in my life. And when I have something going on, I talk with God about that. Because prayer ultimately, as a mentor of mine used to say, prayer is a conversion. It's, an, it's a conversion experience. It's when we are being transformed by turning our attention and our whole self to the God who already has God's attention on us. We've said a million times, you don't have to fight for God's attention. You already have God's attention. We have to learn to give God our attention. So can prayer be practices? Yes. Should prayer be practiced? Yes. We've taught that for years, for years, spiritual practices and everything. But it is not so much a question of do you pray every day? As it is a question of, do you live at least one moment of every day? Awake and aware to the reality that God is with you wherever you are. Because as the spirit-filled and indwelled human, there is no place you can walk where God is not. Now, why do I get that idea? Because Paul says something that's impossible in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. And he says, pray without ceasing. That's what it says. When you look at the Greek... The word pray means pray, and the words without ceasing means without ceasing. Like, it's pretty much what it means. So if we think of prayer as a practice, then that means bumping our heads all day. That means like, how are you? Oh, I cannot talk to you, Lord. And that's how we end up treating prayer. We have prayer languages, right? Like, my dad used to speak in, like, King James language when he would pray. The man never spoke Old English a day in his life until it came time to prayer. It's like, my dad is dad, and then in prayer, he's Shakespeare, right? Like, it's all of a sudden... It's a shift. It's like, thou father of dust, go and doth do thou thee. And I'm not, I'm not making, no, some of us still pray that way, and I get that, and I'm not knocking that, because we were formed that way, and that's our prayer language. And then some of us even have a prayer voice where we talk like this, but when it's time to pray, we're like, let's pray together, y'all. Lord, may we come before you. Hopefully without an accent. But you like, we do this, like, all of a sudden, there's a prayer voice. Because we have prayer down, sometimes, I'm not saying, sometimes prayer becomes performance. 100% purposeful and motives intentional and sincere, but there's no place you're going to ever walk where God isn't with you. God is with you in the checkout line. Now God's probably questioning what I'm buying in the checkout line, but he's with me. Like, God's with you in the checkout line. God's with you in the shower. God's with you in the bathroom. God's with you in your bed when you're laying down at night because you have the Spirit of God. And wherever the Spirit is, there God is. So wherever you are, there God is. And Christ is as close to you as? 
All right, thank you. There we go. And then that's where everywhere you are, that's where you go. And everywhere you go, that's where God is. The only question is, are you with God when God's with you? In the same way that when you're walking around with somebody you love and you're just hanging out, are you really with them or are you on your phone? Like, like there's all these different ways of doing this. And so what I want to say is, yes, I'm always going to talk about God is with us. So yes, go ahead and accuse me of saying that every week because here's the thing I've come to believe. When we know that God is with us, then God will have our attention. And when God has our attention, we will be listening. And when we are listening and God speaks, we will hear. And we will be transformed. When we live our lives as if we know God is with us wherever we are, then we will always, always, always keep our eyes open for signs of new life. You with me? Even in gardens of death where we wonder where God is. Look, your feelings may say otherwise, and the facts on the ground may say otherwise. And yeah, the question isn't going to be, though, is God with us? The question is going to be, God, what are you doing about this? So let's be honest. The question is more like, what are you doing, Lord? The question isn't, are you with me? The question is, what are you doing? That's a fundamentally different question. Because one already assumes the presence of God in this. And that's where the wrestling of faith comes from is when we don't understand why things are, what they are, and we do believe Christ is with us and these things happen and we don't get it. That's the conflict. That's the struggle. But God is with us. And if I believe that God is with me, even in the heart, and I believe in the God of resurrection, then I will look somehow for signs for new life. I really won't lose hope. I'll just question it. I won't lose faith. I'll question it. You see the difference? I won't lose love. I'll question it. Because I know I can't lose what God gave. Come on now. The world can't take away what God has given. All right. With that, one of the things that Paul says in this Thessalonians text, so listen to it if you will. 1 Thessalonians 5, here's the whole text, verse 12. Brothers and sisters, we ask you to respect those who are working with you, leading you and instructing you. Think of them highly with love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are disorderly. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in every situation. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't suppress the spirit. Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages, but examine everything carefully and hang on to what is good. When we gather and we have a conversation up here, there's a word in that for you. There is. Look for it. Just look for it. It may come to you tomorrow. It may come to you five days from now. It may come to you right in the moment. But don't suppress the spirit. Don't close yourself off to new possibilities. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. 